We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. And Jack, we're talking about another Nets win. Three straight tonight. It was over the Sacramento Kings, 136-125. Set the franchise record for made threes in a game. Jack, how are we feeling? Best backcourt in the NBA. Yeah, I think that's a pretty easy one. Even when the trade was made, I was pretty confident that was going to be the case. And we saw it on full display because no Kevin Durant out with a hamstring strain. And James Harden, Kyrie Irving put on a show. We'll jump into that. Plenty more. As always, you can find us on all streaming platforms, including otgbasketball.com, netsrepublic.com, and Blue Wire Pods. But, Jack, where do you want to start with this one? Look, I'll just say, Nick, I was doing a little bit of a, a gratitude lesson in remote learning with my kids today. And <laughs> I gave them the example, you know, you have to pick some people who you were grateful for. The two people that I picked that I was grateful for today, Nicholas, James Harden and Kyrie Andrew Irving. They are goddamn superstars. Yeah, I mean, they both put on a show, you know, a 40-point game for Kyrie, 29-point triple-double for James Harden. I mean, both on great efficiency, too. Sacramento, not a great defensive team, but they took advantage of every matchup they had out there, and really no one could slow them down. And even when Kyrie caught fire, it was kind of funny. You saw that little video of Luke Wall, and I think you posted it. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> I understand his frustration. It's like... The dude is catching fire. He's one of the hardest players to defend in the league when he's on fire. And you guys give him an open three at the top of the key. 
Yeah, I mean, look, I think that any opposing fan, any opposing coach is going to have nightmares trying to game plan for Kyrie Irving and James Harden, let alone when we get the Slim Reaper back in the action, some easy money to add to the scary scary hours big three. They were just incredible, Nick. You know, Kyrie Irving was just hitting shot after shot after shot. He threw an incredible lob pass to DeAndre Jordan. And James Harden has had five triple doubles in 15 freaking games with the Brooklyn Nets. Like, it's it's bewilderingly good. Yeah, I mean, like you said, we were trying to talk about before we hopped on. It's such a luxury. With Kevin Durant out, you still have two star players to rely on, one being a former MVP and can still play at that MVP level. I felt like tonight was we saw a little bit more of that hero ball Harden, but that was fine because Kevin Durant was out. Same thing with Kyrie, went a little bit into the ISOs, but given the Kings' defense, it didn't matter. And I mean, like I said, 40 points for Kyrie Irving, 15 to 22 from the field. 9 of 11 from 3, Jack. And a couple of the threes were not even easy ones. We're talking about fading, step backs. Like, it's not even like all easy catch-and-shoot opportunities. Kyrie Irving from 3 was just fire. 81%. Uh, it was it, it, truly insane. You know, him, him, Damian Lillard, and Stephen Curry are in a class of their own in point guard shooting. It is just, they are masterful, masterful, masterful players. My favorite one was the off the sort of broken play offensive board. Joe Harris throws it behind the back, James Harden style dime. And Kyrie Irving kind of fades just for effect. I'm just like, yeah, you just have fun now, man. You just have fun. Like Richard Jefferson said on the broadcast, like he could tell that he's feeling it because some of the shots he was taking were just like, Okay, like, what do you even do? And they're just only player like our Kyrie Irving and a handful of other guys that can hit those type of shots, and especially when they're in the zone. I think the I can't remember who it was that put it out on Twitter, but the Nets play street ball. Well, Kyrie Irving especially plays street ball. He's just like, you know what? I've got Tyrese Halliburton, Darren Fox, whoever it is on me. And look, those guys played some decent defense tonight. I thought that the the Kings backcourt was, was solid. But Kyrie, no one's going to stop Kyrie Irving when he's in this kind of mood and this kind of vein of form. And I just think that he's in an absolutely incredible player. You know, we know the comments that he made. He he put it to rest with Michael Grady tonight. We don't care about the, the, the comments about shooting guard, about point guard. And everyone's sort of trying to be make a big deal out of it. But in saying that, I just think that we already knew it anyway. Like when, if you, Iron Eagle made the the perfect point. Like if you watch Brooklyn Nets basketball, you know James Harden plays point guard, and you know Kyrie Irving plays shooting guard. It's just, you know, and I think Kyrie Irving made a decent point in his post game as well. It's just like you know, we, the position thing is a, is a debate about nothing because these guys are just trying to get their reps in, hold themselves accountable, hold themselves to high standards. That's what really matters, and I think that that is starting to happen. You can start, you can sort of see that you know DJ probably uh, in his return I thought was really really good really started to pick it up in, in the latter points of the game but Kyrie Irving man like uh, I said it in the last podcast that uh, there's an oversaturation of of quality highlights from a, from a player like him by the end of the season you're gonna have about four hours you're gonna have like a Zack Snyder cut of Justice League worth of footage of Kyrie Irving just hitting shot after shot after shot. Yeah, I thought you meant four hours just for the layup package. <laughs> it's really that crazy, like you said, Jack. Literally highlights nonstop. Uh, I mean, the only weird thing about the game tonight for him was he missed three free throws. And I think, what, going to the game, he missed four or five on the year. So the yeah. fact he missed three tonight kind of sucks for his percentage, but it should still be above 90. And just talking about James Harden going to his game, we kind of talked about triple-double, 29 points, 14 assists, 13 rebounds, 10 of 18 from the field, 6 of 10 from three. Step back was on tonight. James Harden was cooking defenders. And I feel like he doesn't like Corey Joseph because there was a couple of plays where it felt like he took a little personal. 
Yeah, and I, I think that there was a, another broken play where it was just like, oh, no. And then he's just like, all right, um, I can do my step back here, yeah? yeah. I'm going to do my step back here right now. Th- that's just such a goddamn weapon. And, you know, Kyrie Irving can just, you know, create something out of nothing as well. There aren't many players in the NBA that can do that. And James Harden's step back three, you know, is really, really heating up. And now I'm expecting it to go in. Whereas in his early moments as a Brooklyn, then I'm like, okay, is that the right shot to take? Now I'm just like, dude, do I trust every decision you are making, be it a pass? And I think you put the the, the dime to Landry Shamit, yeah. Nick. Like he's and he had an open court pass to Bruce Brown as well. Which one was your favorite? The one to Shamit because he made it look so casual, and that's such a difficult pass. Obviously, he's a lefty, so that's his dominant hand. But one handed swing across the court, pass a defender's ear, essentially. Like, that's just a tough pass. That's like a top five player in the NBA in terms of passing. You know what I mean? Like we mentioned on, I think it was either last show or the show before that, that he's in the same class as, you know, LeBron and Luka with some of the passes he can make because also the Bruce Brown one is just like next level thinking, okay, I'm going to lead my guy. Like I mentioned before, it reminds me so much of a quarterback in the NFL leading a receiver to the spot. And it's just what James Harden does on the rig. I think he really sets the tone. And I, I put out on Twitter, um, that he makes players better. He makes yep. them more confident. I think he's making Landry Shamit better. He's yep. making TLC better. There's a growing confidence whenever they're out there, the second unit is out there with James Harden, that I'm going to hit some shots. I'm going to have some open shots. That you, you know, Good players make, make you lift your standard. And I think that's what James Harden is doing. You know, If you're a big and he's throwing lobs to you, or if you're a perimeter guy and you're supposed to be hitting threes, he is just making players better. And that passing, just to, to touch on a little bit further, the pace on it and Mm. the precision on it Landry Shamit stepped into the pass and caught it and it was in his shooting pocket I'm just like he knew where Landry Shamit it's like a pass calling the shooter to you it's like okay Landry I want you to step into it and this is still going to be right at 25 feet and you're going to hit it in motion great hit by Landry Shamit he's really starting to get some form we'll touch on him a little bit later but man James Harden is just a a goddamn marvel and I I put it down on Twitter as well Um, we're just lucky to have this backcourt as Brooklyn Nets it's a a goddamn treat Nick we get uh, every single game you know we we marvel at the highlights that we get to watch and the passes and the shot making Um, it's incredible basketball yeah, I mean, just to go back to some of the passing, uh, there was a play where he threw DeAndre Jordan and Oop from the three-point line. Like, and it seems simple, but it's a tough pass to do. He just did it casually. Like, he's comfortable making any pass at any point on the floor. And like you said, Jack, he's making the other players better, not only because of the oops and the lobs and the easy stuff and the catch-and-shoot opportunities, but he's hitting them in motion. Like, he's hitting them in tough spots. So Landry Shamit's now on the go, and now he has an opportunity to drive to the rim. Same thing with TLC. Saw it a couple times with Joe Harris. Like, he's really upping his teammates. And we talked about it a little bit before the James Harden trade happened. We were talking about this team early in the season. You know, one issue could be passing. They don't necessarily have great passers. You know, Spencer Downey was a guy in the team. He obviously got injured. Kevin Durant can pass. Kyrie can pass. But James Harden is next tier, elite tier of passing. And that's really impacted this team. Yeah, I think it was 35 assists against the Golden State Warriors. Yep. And the, the ball, yeah, ball movement, truly incredible. Another 31 tonight. 
this seems to me, and you know, we said at the start of the season, that's what we expect to be part of the identity, ball movement, getting out in the open court. And you know who fits that identity pretty damn well? James freaking Harden. Yeah. <laughs> he, he is, he is, must be Steve Nash's wet dream. We already know he's Mike D'Antoni's wet dream, but I think both of them are having very pleasant dreams right now, thinking about all the insane things James Harden can do with the ball in his hands. Yeah, I mean, it's really incredible. And it's just <laughs> the fact that he's also an elite scorer too, it just adds, you know what I mean? He's just... The overall, his overall game is just so impactful. I thought he had a couple of good defensive plays in this game. Obviously, seven turnovers, got a little careless on a few of them. But when you're dishing the ball the way he is, those type of nights are going to happen. Oh, yeah, look, he's probably going to lead the league in turnovers, but he's going to lead the league in assists. And, you know, the team overall only had 15. And I think more importantly, the, the Kings had 15 themselves. Yep. I thought the Nets were, were pretty switched on defensively, having seven steals. Um, some of them were, you know, Bruce Brown just, I, I thought his intensity in the third quarter allowed yeah. the you know Kyrie Irving and, and James Ar- and James Harden to sort of just go you know what we're going to feed off that energy and that, that intangible energy just lifted everyone and, and I thought you know Bruce again starting for, for his second game straight um, another really great game from him and, and a really really important defensive identity set up for the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, I liked him in that third quarter. I felt like in the first half, he had moments where he just wasn't very impactful. You didn't necessarily feel him out there. But like you said, in that third quarter, a couple steals, a couple stops. And that's all you need, especially when your offense is cooking. Get an extra possession for James Harden. Get an extra possession for Kyrie Irving or Joe Harris, whoever you know is hot that night. And next thing you know, you're going to have a blowout. And obviously, the score looks close, but the Nets took care of this game in the third quarter. And they essentially you know, allowed the Kings to get close with their garbage unit. But really, really dominant third. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, the, the 22 run after the Jeff Green murderous dunk. Murderous dunk. Jeff Green's 34 years old, Nick. There might not be a better mid-30s dunker in the league other than LeBron James than Jeff Green. Yeah, I don't. I would agree with that, Jack. I mean, he's probably got 10 posters on the season, and they're all like just sneaky quiet, like all of a sudden just come up for the silent kill. Yeah, and Brian Lewis of the the New York Post put out a pretty funny tweet saying that like you know he should be Daddy Jeff now after <laughs> not Uncle Jeff, and I'm just like uh, let's uh, keep it PG. I mean, it's it's late night for part. everybody out here, Jack. Next yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, not for everyone. It's only 4:30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time in Melbourne, Australia, so it's not too bad for me. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.
But yeah, Jeff Green was uh, awesome. And I think that Steve Nash did a good job in, in relating to the starters. You know, the starters had a... We're just missing something. And then the insertion of DeAndre Jordan, who was plus 22 on the night and playing extended minutes 27 to Jeff Green's 23, despite the fact that he had some early misgivings, he really started to find his footing. And while Hassan Whiteside cooked at moments, I thought DeAndre Jordan was, you know, albeit one of the, the really net positives on the night. Yeah, I felt like he was probably average in the first half. He had some good moments. And then that third quarter with a lot of guys just kind of picked it up with some of the energy. I think when you get DeAndre and Oop, like it just helps bring him alive a little bit more. And I also saw him chatting with like Kyrie and Amon Shumpert on the bench, maybe cleaning a couple things up, whatever it might be. And obviously when you're playing a team like this and they're living in the paint, having a center actually matters. I felt like the starting lineup, a starting lineup with Jeff Green was just a touch too small, you know, playing four guards and Jeff Green doesn't really have much rim protection to him. And obviously Kevin Durant provides a little bit more of that. But in the third quarter, they were able to kind of capitalize a little bit. But I just felt like Jeff Green, it's a tough ass to ask him to protect the rim and then also defend a guy like Marvin Bagley. And I feel like at times you can see that Jeff Green isn't a natural center because some of his habits just aren't there. You know what I mean? Where like naturally as a center, you kind of go back for every board because your team needs you to. And like Jeff Green sometimes will shoot out on the break, which is occasional for other centers. But I'm just saying like naturally as a big, that's what you're used to doing. Yeah, look, I think that in that first quarter especially, it was, I think, something like 18 of 23, the, the first 23 points for the Sacramento Kings were in the paint, and they still absolutely obliterated us there, 68 to 40. But, you know, the Nets also had an historic three-point shooting night, and three points are worth more than two. It's something to clean up, but I thought that that number was better, you know, in the second half, as you alluded to, Nick, you know, that third quarter, really dialed things in with Bruce Brown and DeAndre Jordan, really setting the tone, making things tough on the perimeter, as well as inside the paint and around the rim as well. So I thought that, you know, despite the fact that offensively, this is going to be a performance that it's going to be remembered for, I thought there were some pretty decent defensive moments as well. Yeah, I feel like the on-ball defense in the first half was pretty bad. But then, like you mentioned, the third quarter, we just saw everything turn around. You know, some of it's the Kings missing a couple of shots, but holding a team to 20 points in the third, especially one that plays at the pace of Sacramento, that's a that's a notch on your belt. You know what I mean? And I think the fourth quarter, even to start at the defense, was pretty solid. It didn't really mess up until the garbage unit came in. No, yeah, I totally agree. I thought that James Harden with the second unit tonight, you know, he was plus 33 on the, on because, you know, the, I thought that Steve Nash did quite a good job of staggering the rotations of yep. the substitutions were good. You know, I, I alluded to DeAndre Jordan for, for Jeff Green at moments. I thought Tyler Johnson was really good tonight. Yep. I thought we got some decent moments from TLC um, when he was out there with James Harden as well. I think he's starting to work his way into this coaching thing, Nick. And while he's still going to have his moments, he's going to have his mistakes along the way. I think that like this team, overall it's hard to find a level of consistency when you're having you know your three best players out there how do you form an identity either way i like the fact that they've stuck with the switching scheme i like what he's doing with the rotation sticking with these sort of guys you know, letting them run it out you know tyler johnson giving him that confidence going forward you know landry shamak continuing to play him despite the fact that you know a lot of us criticize why is landry shamak getting these minutes why is tyler johnson not getting minutes why is he getting minutes after this blah 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 i think that the more proactive way of coaching that he has been doing um, he's starting to pay some dividends. Yeah, I thought the coaching performance was good tonight, like you said, Jack. He's getting more confidence in staggering the minutes of like a James Harden and Kyrie Irving and just like letting them be alone a little bit longer instead of worrying about getting their minutes so together because only 34 minutes tonight for James Harden, only 30 for Kyrie Irving. You mentioned Jeff Green, I think, played around 23. So 
you like that. And then there was a point in the third quarter, the fourth quarter, where the Kings got the lead down to 18. He took a timeout. And it feels like in games past, he would have probably made it, waited to like 12 or 10. But if you do that at 18, now you can reestablish yourself, maintain that lead and kind of correct things. And even when, you know, like in the garbage time where they lost the lead with the backups in, he was able to kind of call that timeout, felt confident. Hey, I don't need to bring James in. Let me throw Kyrie and DJ in and Jeff Green and get this game cleaned up. So I think he's just getting more confident, more comfortable. And I also think he's getting a better understanding of his players. But like you mentioned, it's going to be tough because the lack of consistency. Yeah, definitely. You know, Kevin Durant, obviously, since our last podcast has been ruled out for at least two games, hopefully he's back against the Lakers. But I would like, you know, a more conservative approach because we won't see Anthony Davis in that matchup either for the next couple of weeks with that calf injury. But yeah, in, to for just um, finally finish up with Steve Nash, I think, again, you know, you alluded to the timeouts, Nick. You know, it was a big misgiving of, of a lot of Nets fans on Twitter and, and, and everywhere else, him just being like, you know what? And at the start of the season, it's just like, we play through it. You know, we, I want my team to play through it. You know, Kevin Durant was for it, but I think a lot of fans are like, you know, that is a tool that you have as a coach to be able to arrest the momentum and sort of reset the team, as you alluded to. And I think that, you know, in terms of like if we're analyzing the, the timeout performance from Steve Nash, it might have been his best timeout performance of the year. Yeah, no, it really has. And like you said, Jack, I think that's an important note because like your players can play out of things, but there are certain momentum swings and a timeout can just kind of hold those things back a little bit or just cool that other team off or even just give your guys a breath. So nice improvement from Steve Nash. We kind of knew this was going to be growing pains. He's a rookie head coach with championship expectations. Doesn't always go well. Sometimes it leads to a championship. Other times it leads to a struggle. We hope it's a chip. But you brought up Tyler Johnson, 22 minutes tonight, you know, 10 points, 4 of 8 from the field. I really like the minutes from him, and I don't really care as much for the shooting. It's just the high energy, the high effort. And I thought he was really important this game because he's such a hustler that he was the first guy back in transition and really helped prevent a lot of easy buckets for Sacramento, a team that loves to run. Yeah, absolutely. You know, their identity is predicated on that. When you've got the the speed of Buddy Heald, Darren Fox, and Tyrese Halliburton, that's where you can get easy buckets. And I thought that the, the Kings got that at early points of the game when the starters were in there. But then, you know, Tyler Johnson's insertion, I think, really did, you know, add some value for the team. And I think that he is continuing to just show his vet presence and, and bring the momentum that he saw from the bubble into what he's yep. playing right now. You know, offensively, I'm comfortable whenever the ball is in his hands because he just knows how to make the right decision he'll hit a shot you know two or four from three four of eight from the field um he's just a really really good player um and into a really really good role player let, let me put it that way um but he, I, I think he continues to deserve minutes going forward and especially with injuries here and there and and i think he's really con- um, solidifying his case to get some decent rotation minutes. i think the kings as well you know with their heavy glut of guards are a good matchup for him yeah, I agree. And I think he also just gives, you know, James Harden or Kyrie Irving when they're out there alone, a secondary ball handler, somebody who's comfortable. And he fits like a lot of different roles because if the Nets need somebody to run off ball, he'll do that. Set screens off ball, he'll do that. Like he's just kind of willing to do whatever the team needs. And we always mention this with him. He's one of the first guys on the ground trying to fight for a loose ball or whatever it might be. So that's the type of stuff you need. And he's kind of just a perfect role player when you have these superstars, when he can play at this level. You know, we talked about a game a couple days ago, a couple days ago where he didn't necessarily play well, but over the last few games, I feel like he's really improved. And some of that's just getting consistent minutes and finding his rhythm because that three point shot is looking pretty solid too. 
It is. I'm comfortable. Look, I think it, I think all of the the Nets players that are in the rotation right now, other than DeAndre Jordan, are good three point shooters. Other than Bruce Brown, sorry, uh, as well. So that's what you know. Eight, six, six, seven, eight guys. You know, you add in KD to that mix as well. You know, it's why the Nets are going to break some records and be an absolute historic. They did tonight. You know, fifty seven percent from three, which is goddamn ri- ridiculous. But yeah, I, I think Tyler Johnson to go with Bruce Brown. Both of those guys are doing the selfless things that you want your yep. role players to do screen and then create movement create angles create openings for not only you know guys like James Harden and Kyrie Irving but it also opens up angles for the big guys it opens up angles for Joe Harris it opens up angles for Landry Shamit and I think that that is and I think a lot of other guys are following their lead it's I think you put it out there I don't know if you put it out on your Twitter Nick or you said to me in the DMs that it seems to me that the Nets are doing that a lot screening is one of the most selfless things you can do it doesn't show up on the box score at all unless you're David Locke and it's you know Rudy Gobert and the screen assists but you know if we're talking about screen assists tonight I reckon the Nets would have had a hundred of them yeah, I mean, actually, the tweet I think I put out, Jack, was everybody wants to set a screen for James Harden. Like, I think part of it is the fact that you know if you set a screen for James Harden, you're probably going to get rewarded if the team double teams him. You know, Jeff Green's case, Landry Shamit's case, even Tyler Johnson sometimes. So, And just a quick shout-out to Tyler Johnson, who you mentioned, like, some of the passing is contagious. I really love the one bounce pass he had to DeAndre Jordan, set DeAndre up for that easy dunk. And just being that secondary creator, secondary uh, ball handler for the second unit at times, when you have such dominant ball handlers in James Harden and Kyrie Irving, it works perfectly because you don't really need him to do much. It's just kind of the occasion thing and Landry Shamit even helped out with that tonight because we saw a couple plays with Shamit where he looked like more than a three-point shooter kind of a little bit of a score yeah I, I think that his confidence is really starting to come you know it was going to take some time uh, you know assimilating to a new role and I know that there was a frustration level from us and, and other Nets fans but probably you know, himself 29, too yeah exactly you know in the past sort of eight to ten games I think he's really starting to find his footing um, he's really starting to find a similar to consistency. You know, 13 points for him, three of seven from three, five of 10 from the field. Also had three dimes, three boards as well. I think the team rebounding is starting to be quite good as well. I think that that focus, um, it, if the Nets rebound well, it almost sometimes makes up for the defensive deficiencies. Sorry to go on a bit of a tangent, but... Well, I no, think Jack, they- I actually think it's almost the opposite to the extent is because the de- defense at times, like, doesn't even look that bad. It just looks so much worse as when you give an offensive rebound and they get a three-point shot. You know what I mean? Like... I feel like their defensive rating wouldn't be quite as bad if they actually were a good rebounding team because it feels like so many possessions. They, obviously, they'd still be a bad defensive team, but I just feel like it would be a little bit better if they could actually rebound. Yeah, and I think that's what DJ provided us tonight. I thought he yep. was really, really good there. and You know, had four had eight boards, you know, four offensive ones as well. So I think that when the Nets tend to rebound at least sort of well, yep. um, at least keep the mark within, you know, five or something. And I think, what I can't remember what it was uh, off the top of my head. Uh, sorry, 35 to 41. Um, and had, you know, nine offensive boards. They gave away 15. I think a lot of those were in the first half. And so guys like Hassan Whiteside, who were just yep. giving up their own boards, almost just like for, for fun and for practice. But yeah, I, I think, Nick, I'm getting more comfortable with these role players. You know, I, I just, obviously against the Sacramento Kings, a team who I think has been in a decent vein of form and, you know, they're a sub-500 team, so there's always going to be a boogie for the, <laughs> for the Brooklyn Nets in general. But And it felt like it at first, though. <laughs> it felt like in the first quarter, right? It did, it did. It's just like, okay. But I, I, I think that once we sort of had, saw more... I don't know. There was just a, a greater cohesion in terms yeah. of everyone really contributing. You know, I think 
when the, the assists are up and you know that I think that the Nets have played well. If the Nets are going to have 30 or more assists for a game, I think that's going to be a key indicator for if the Brooklyn Nets win or lose. If the Brooklyn Nets keep the, the, the rebounding within five or so, you know that they're going to give themselves a really good shot. Points in the paint is something that I think is going to be a weakness quite consistent. But overall, it, it seems to me that it's not only the superstars playing well, it seems to me that they're playing better as a team. And, you know, we know Kyrie Irving alluded to the fact that they've got some practice time, uh, which certainly does help uh, as well. But it seems to me that Nets, while the superstars are going to get all the attention, I'm loving what Landry Shamet's doing. TLC's doing some nice things. T- Tyler Johnson's really contributing as a vet. Bruce Brown's really, really solid as a starter and just, you know, just doing all the things that we love about him. Uh, and Joe Harris as well, despite, I think this was probably one of his worst games of the season, still finishes the game two of two from three, four or five from the field and plus 17. I think Joe Harris might be leading the team in plus minus. Maybe not anymore after James Hunt goes plus 33. But man, Joe Harris uh, continues to just be a, a positive whenever he's out there. Yeah, I thought Joe had a couple plays where he struggled, but he didn't really allow it to dictate his game because he still made big plays. You mentioned that nice pass. He had the Kyrie Irving. Obviously, was 2-2 two two from three tonight, and both threes were heavily contested. Like, the yeah. one I thought he got fouled on, to be honest. But, um, you know, yeah, Joe got attacked a little bit defensively. And, and who, um, may I ask, Nick, I'm not sure if you know the name, or if anyone does know the name of the ref that gave him the tech, please hit me up in the DMs at the JMNJBT. I'm taking some names. just uh, And as well, Colin Sexton, you're on that list as well, but I, I want to find the name of the, the ref that gave Joe Harris that tech because while he does look good, but he's mad, and, you know, he's got the biceps showing and the hair's looking all scruffy and the sweat's dropping down, his face uh, i don't want i don't like people making joe harris mad yeah i think it's almost like an automatic tech if you punch the ball like there i don't think it's like a written rule but it's kind of like an unwritten rule for a tech so joe kind of knew disagree. what he was doing i agree to disagree nick you know yeah. i think that joe harris should have his own set of rules he deserves that and i think that if you're going to make such a horrible call then joe harris is going to get angry and he deserves to get angry some of us you know you're just going to hit the ball I think every he got now mad and then. at the previous call where uh i want to say tyrese halberton like swiped the shit out of both of his arms when Kyrie hit him with a bounce pass but you know, it didn't really matter because the Nets ended up winning. Joe Harris still making plays out there. Probably end up shooting five threes tomorrow night. But um, t- like just to touch on TLC real quick, I feel like the less we talk about TLC, the better. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> it's just like when he's just kind of out there playing his role, doing his thing, and not making big mistakes. And I feel like I keep saying this, but it's just kind of constant. And that's kind of, you know. <laughs> making him into a good role player like he's being solid you know what i mean he's not being great he's not amazing i don't care if he shoots six or seven from three i'd rather have these steady performances three or six two or five in some solid defensive possessions out there give me this all the time yeah and i think you know it relates to our role players overall you know bruce yep. brown Tyler johnson tlc landry shamit you know we know what we want out of all of them and TLC provides the least amount of consistency out of them. And and that's a, that's a fair call because he's still finding his footing as an NBA player. But I think now, because Tyler Johnson is playing so well and because Bruce Brown, you know, is, is doing so well with the starters and with the key sort of players, and Landry Shaman is finding his footing as a shooter and more, that I think that it allows TLC to fade behind everyone else, fade into the yeah. background and go, oh, yeah, TLC was actually not too bad tonight because when you don't see an angry TLC tweet, you know that it's been a good night for TLC because he's probably the Nets whipping boy in a lot of ways. He, he, he quite clearly is. There's always one. It's Aaron Crabb. Sometimes it was Rondé in, in previous iterations. But it's TLC now. And, and I think that... Or DeAndre. Past, or DeAndre, <laughs> sorry, yeah. Um, in the past couple of games, though, uh, TLC has, hasn't given us any reason to be angry or frustrated with him. Yeah, he's been solid. And you kind of hinted at it earlier, Jack, the Nets getting more practice time. I think also the fact it's 29 games in the season. 
you know, this would typically be like early January for a lot of teams. And that's where we'd be making our real opinions. It is a shortened season, COVID-19 limited training camp. So it, it obviously we, like you always say, we analyze every single game. So we're going to be a little harsh sometimes, but when you look at it objectively and look back, you're like, all right, it made sense that some of these role players struggled. Like, it's not like you instantly jump into a season and are playing your best basketball. Yeah, not everyone can do that. Not everyone is Joe Harris, unfortunately. But or Kevin Nick, Durant. <laughs> hey, Kevin Durant's our old Kevin Durant's role player according to the Raptor <laughs> five thirty eight metric, whatever the hell they are. Um, yeah, no. That about was us. a really good uh, prediction. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a pretty damn good role player if you if you tell if you're telling me, Nick. Before we do end this one, um, I wanted to ask you about I guess the the recent rumors surrounding the Brooklyn Nets, Andre Drummond, Blake Griffin. Oh, Jack. Uh, before if, we touch on that, I just wanted to ask you about the twenty seven made threes. Did you think that was just the Nets being a godly offensively talented team or is that just the offensive scheme the king's defense or is this kind of a thing we could expect another franchise record for the nets to break this year uh, maybe <laughs> not to sit on the fence i just honestly think that the nets take what the defense gives them and when they are hot you know when you are hot you generally sort of feel you know the utah jazz have been doing it all season and i think honestly the nets have better talent from the perimeter than the utah jazz do i trust you know uh, Landry Shamit more than Royce O'Neal from the perimeter. Yeah. Now that we have our, our, like I mentioned, all the guys in our rotation, TLC can hit threes, Landry Shamit can hit threes, Tyler Johnson can hit threes, James Harden can hit threes, Kyrie Irving can hit threes, Joe Harris can hit threes, Jeff Green can hit threes, Kevin Durant can hit threes when he comes into it. So uh, it's, a, it's a bevy of riches uh, from the perimeter. So they're going to continue to to make things uh, tough for, for teams to, to, to defend them on the perimeter. But I also think that the Nets are just going to want to get just good shots. And it yep. seems to me that the fact that ever since the passing has really started to increase and the fizzing, the, the ball's just moving around, you know, it, it leads to more open threes. And, you know, the Nets aren't going to take 47 of them. They generally aren't a really high, or they have a decent high attempt. I think they're in the top 10. But at the end of the day, the Nets will take mid-ranges. The Nets will take stuff in the paint. The Nets will stuff. And look, they didn't get to the paint tonight. They took, what, like eight, nine, ten, three throws, something like that. So it, it, the threes made up for it. It's just this team has... They shot more threes than twos. Yeah. <laughs> the net, and that's going to happen for certain teams. You know, we got Mike D'Antoni as an assistant coach and the offensive coordinator. So I think it's going to be a game-by-game -game proposition. I don't think you're going to get 47 threes off against the Los Angeles Lakers, probably not the Phoenix Suns either. And if you are getting them, then I, I think a lot of it is luck. I think this season more than any other, the lack of crowds, I think, also makes things easier. And I think certain arenas, you're certain to get uh, just a better shooting eye. I, I, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's something in Sacramento too, but I, I don't think it's necessarily necessarily uh, an indicator of things going forward nick i just think this team is godly offensively in so many ways yeah i think that's why they can break records for the nets is because they're going to have nights where teams are like oh we need to lock down the plank let's give these team this team a ton of threes and they'll have other nights where oh we don't want to let them shoot threes because they have so much offensive talent you mentioned like all the good three-point shooters but they also have four elite three-point shooters you know and Kyrie, james harden kevin durant and joe harris and i think landry shaman probably isn't there and he probably won't get there this season but there's potential maybe down the line for that to be his true skill but jack you want to talk some rumors 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 nick andre Drummond, and blake griffin we discussed them on the outlet today as well uh andre robertson as well i saw brian lewis post uh, a, a little bit about him but let's get to andre Drummond because i think that's the one that a lot of nets fans are salivating after after four a lot of people getting my mentions about him Andre Drummond as a buyout candidate. Kevin Durant said he's the best rebounder in the game. Andre Drummond has said that Kevin Durant's one of the best pickup players ever. 
uh, are we seeing a greater likelihood? Is uh, the Brooklyn Nets the favourites to land his services if it ultimately becomes a buyout, which seems to be coming more increasingly likely given the, the size of that contract? Yeah, I think even Woj mentioned something like that when reporting that the buyout market starts with the Brooklyn Nets. And I think not only because of the relationship you mentioned that he had Kevin Durant talking him up, Andre Drummond talking up KD, but then we've seen some pictures of like Andre Drummond and Kyrie Irving having a past relationship or being friends. So that plays into it. Andre Drummond obviously I think wants to go to a winning opportunity. A lot of people talk about him, myself included, about him not being a winning player. So if he goes to Brooklyn, has some success, could really help change his reputation. And just to talk about the buyout in general, I thought it at first it kind of felt like a pipe dream. But as things progress and where it's at now and the fact that he's not playing games for the Cavs and they're looking to move on from him, it makes it more likely. Because like I said to you on the outlet, he's not going to go back to that Cleveland team. Like if they're sitting him for no reason and he's wearing sweatshirts that say farewell, like he's not going to end up back in Cleveland. And we talked about this, too, his contract being twenty eight million dollars. Not many teams in the league can match that. There's just not really many options unless Cleveland wants to take on some negative contracts. Yeah, and obviously being the having the taxpayer MLE as well as yep. the, the DPE as well puts the Nets in the driver's seat to offer a little bit more cash to, to the likes of Blake Griffin. It Andre makes the Trump. buyout a little bit more likely from the Cleveland side because if he's yep. willing to give back that $5.7 in his buyout talk, you know, Cleveland has taken that probably. You know, everyone's trying to save some money during COVID, especially the small market teams. Absolutely, absolutely. You, you, it's a really, really good point, Nick. So, look, in terms of just basketball, in terms, I think Andre Drummond, you know, adds a, an immediate adds immediate value much more so than Blake Griffin. He yep. gives you immense rebounding. One of the great rebounders, not only in the game right now, but in the history of the game. Might be one of the best rebounders since Wilt Chamberlain in, in a lot of respects. And look, uh, I would be pretty enthused about I also think that he would tune in a little bit more defensively if he were to get to the Nets. Uh, I think that he's a, a better shot blocker. Uh, and I think he provides a point in edge. Like if we had him in the first quarter against the Sacramento Kings tonight, I don't think that they score 37 points in the opening period. I think that he makes things uh, pretty tricky. It also lessens the load on DeAndre Jordan. And, you know, it just gives, you know, a, another quality rotation player. Does he play, you know, in key stretches in the playoffs? Like I mentioned to you on the outlet, I, I don't necessarily think so. It will be matchup dependent. But Andre Drummond, as a DPE buyout candidate, might be one of the premier guys in the history of the buyout market. You know, there's Markeith Morris is the, the the one that sort of springs to mind uh, in my head. But, you know, Andre Drummond is a guy that can give you 15 and 15 uh, in his sleep. Yeah, no, I think the one thing with Drummond is, like you said, Jack, the Nets have a deficiency rebounding he can come in and literally solve that problem by himself. Like, he's that good of a rebounder. And he gives, you know, Steve Nash another chess piece, another matchup that he has out there. And if he could just focus and play defense up to the level in which we know that he's capable of, he could be a good defender. Like, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. A lot of it is on the mental side. A lot of it's focus and a lot of it's discipline. And we don't get that from him on a regular basis. Some of that's playing on poor defensive teams or not necessarily having, you know, elite teammates around him. Maybe Kevin Durant, maybe Kyrie Irving, James Harden can get him to buy into that role a little bit more, especially if all he's doing is eating on the other end with free layups and dunks all the time. Yeah, look, get all your offensive boards, my dude, as long as you get back in transition. You know, I think that he would 
he would add something to this Nets team offensively, and I also do think defensively. I think he's a better defensive player than DeAndre Jordan. You know, maybe not against uh, Giannis under the compo, but I think in general, just to to be able to end possessions, like we mentioned earlier, with his re- incredible rebounding capability. So, look, Blake Griffin, I think, is, is something that you know you love the name, and I think as a, a buyout sort of guy, it makes a lot of sense because he's a guy that's been All NBA caliber. You know, Lob City. 4.0 if you're adding in James I don't know what iteration of Lob City we're at but I think Blake Griffin isn't hitting the three ball right now he's lost his athleticism he's a good passer so I think he would fit that 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 part of our identity quite well and I think he is a worse defender and a worse add on that end of the floor he's he's certainly lost a step in his capabilities and he's also aging you know he's in the latter points of his career whereas Andre Drummond is still around that sort of prime I reckon Nick yeah, I mean, even Blake, I think, feels older than he really is because he's only turning 32, but the knee injuries have just kind of depleted him. And because it's not long ago we were talking about him possibly being All-NBA, like you mentioned, even had some MVP talk his first full season in Detroit. So the fact that Blake Griffin is to this point really sucks for him. I mean, I wouldn't rule it out as a buyout candidate just like as a player you can have, but I wouldn't even guarantee he'd be in the playoff rotation because, like you mentioned, the defense has really fallen off a cliff. Never really was an elite defender, but the mobility just really isn't there talking to some Detroit guys today. And then even just watching him, like no disrespect to Blake. I wish that he was healthy and successful out there, but it looks like it hurts to move sometimes. Like it just looks like he doesn't have that athleticism. And you mentioned to me, what was the stat, Jack? He hasn't had a dunk since like late 2019. Yep. Yep. Which is crazy because like Corey brought up on the outlet when he first came in the league, ESPN literally had a dunk tracker for him. And like he... You lose athleticism as you get older, but he's lost it at just like an extreme rate. He went from like 100%, 90%, 80%, all the way down to like five. Yeah, and it's not like he's hitting that three ball at a high rate either. You know, he's yep. sub 32% or sub 31%. And, it doesn't you know, look if confident. He... No, and if he was hitting that three ball like he was a couple of seasons ago, then it's just like, okay, he's going to provide you something offensively rather than just decent ball movement and, and, and really smart basketball IQ. He's still got talent. But it's uh, it's certainly waning and and an old thirty two. He's an old thirty two. Jeff Green's a young thirty four. He might not be LeBron James, but he's certainly contributing uh, at a regular high level. I also wanted to touch on Nick before we do finish on Andre Robeson. Robeson, Robeson. Not sure how to totally say. It. I'll figure it out eventually. We'll wait till he's but on Brian, the Nets and Eagle announces his name. There we go. That's probably how I'll figure it out. But Brian Lewis did point out that the Nets didn't just have cursory interest in Andre Robertson, but actually worked him out before they signed Amon Shumpert. Now, obviously, Amon Shumpert's injured with the, um, the the hamstring injury. He also says that he doesn't fit a position of need. He's got family links towards the team. His sister, Ariel, is the mother of... Um, is the, sorry, is the mother of injured Spencer Dinwiddie's son, Elijah. So there's this ties there. And we know that, you know, Sean Marks likes guys that have the, the ties to the team and provides a family sort of environment. So, look, I think that those three, out of those three guys, you know, I think Andre Robeson provides the best defense and the best point of need, despite the fact that I know that you are somewhat skeptical of his health as well, Nick. Yeah, I think he played college basketball with Spencer Dinwiddie, too, if I'm not mistaken. Um but I think the fact that it says that they had him in a tryout and they chose Amon Shumpert over him, it makes you think that he's not physically there. You know what I mean? Or maybe he lost a step and Shumpert's just a little bit more athletic than him at this point because, like, prime versions of both players, like, 
Roberson is a substantially probably better defender than Shumpert. Like Shumpert's more of that high energy, high effort defender where Roberson's just elite in pretty much every aspect of defense. We've seen him give issues to some of the best players in the league. So he's had a lot of different injuries and it was a long struggle for him to get back on the court. We saw him, I think a touch in the bubble, right? And he yep. didn't necessarily look amazing. And I think health wise, it's just really hard to come back from that many injuries, especially because he's such like a zero offensively. Yeah, he is. He, he like he doesn't give you anything on that of the floor. And like Ahmad Shepard can hit some mid ranges here or there, so that's what he gives you. But I think Andre Roberson is just like a pure defensive guy. Could be worth an ad. We'll have to sort of wait yeah. and see. Again, these are buyouts. He could get guys. healthier throughout the year. You know, it's not out of the realm of possibilities. Like you know, we talk about Kevin Durant having the eighteen months. Like the more time, the better. Yeah, who knows? We'll, we'll certainly be keeping an eye on it. And, and hopefully the Nets can add some quality rotation pieces to what is already a really dangerous team. And uh, I also did hear um, that Woj on his podcast mentioned Kavon Looney and also mentioned Trevor Ariza in passing. Both of those guys would be absolutely perfect in a trade or buyout candidate, uh, candidate sort of deal. Yeah, I mean, I would love Trevor Reza just because I'm just desperate to see the Nets add a forward. Like, it's just like seeing all these four-guard lineups, sometimes like five guards, it feels like it just kind of makes me sick, especially in some of the matchups we're going to see down the line. Like, you want to just have a little bit of more size, a little bit of depth, and guys that you know can play. And obviously, Kavon Looney's a guy that's won championships with Golden State. You know, it gives you a little versatility. He's more of one of those guys that just does the dirty work. He's not going to put up 20 points. He's not going to have a giant rebound game, but he's just going to go out there and make plays. And he even showed a little bit of switchiness, I think, in the past in Golden State. But after a couple injuries, he doesn't look quite as mobile. No, I think his health is going to be probably the main concern from the Brooklyn yeah. Nets, and maybe that's why they haven't been on the phone to, to Bob Myers. But I found it interesting that both of those names were mentioned. And look, Trevor Reese is unlikely for a buyout because Sam Presti rarely does them, but maybe he breaks that rule you know, for the Brooklyn Nets. Um, it, maybe Sean Marks makes, sends him some nice emojis in the text or something. Who knows? But I yeah, feel Trevor like the Reece... best chance for the Nets to get a Reese buyout would be if OKC made another trade and they had more players coming in and they need to cut somebody, and Ariza would just be the guy that made sense because he doesn't want to be there. Yeah, something like, obviously, George Hill has been rumored to, to Philly yep. and stuff, so maybe if they get a couple of players in return and you know, they go full youth movement, we'll wait and see. Hopefully we see... You know, a quality rotation on a quality addition to this Brooklyn Nets rotation to strengthen them where the, the points of need certainly are. Yep, 100%. Jack, always a pleasure, especially on these uh, late night runs for us East Coasters out here. Tomorrow we got a 10 30 start in Phoenix. Should be fun. Nice to see the Nets win. And big thanks, to everybody, for listening. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.